Welcome. You're listening to Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, the podcast that pulls back the curtains in your mind. We like to shed a little light on why you're thinking what you're thinking. Everyone has a choice in life, in what and how they think. Together, we're going to focus on high-functioning habits. There is no more time to live with any sort of regret. Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, the inspirational podcast for the inspired. Let's get into today's show with your host, Shelley R. Shearer. Good morning, world. Shelley Shearer here and welcome to the show. I apologize. This is going to be aired out of sequence because I had to make a change to the podcast. So this was actually recorded on Thursday, February 6th, last Thursday, my mother's birthday. I was heading for lunch with her and my sister. And I podcasted before I went, and I'm actually going to repeat a lot of what I put into the podcast, but something about it just didn't feel right. I don't always can't explain that feeling, but I have learned over the years to listen to that inner voice, and I encourage you to do the same. So maybe there was something in there that was going to offend someone, or someone wasn't ready to hear it. I do not know. I do not question. I just realized that's when I came home that evening and was on the couch something bothered me greatly so I thought fine because I tend to as well look at what's right that is what I try and focus on in my life now and that is uh, the, uh, the the subject of today's podcast now I actually picked up this book last Thursday because it was my mom's birthday and I thought oh, let's just see what the meditation book let's see what Mel- Melody Beattie has to say today I am going to expand on this but part of it is I am reading today's uh, today's um message okay so if it sounds like i'm reading be clear i am look at what's right take time to notice what's right in others in ourselves and in the world around us we may become so concerned with correcting ourselves we come habituated to seeing what's wrong not just seeing but constantly looking for it the question itself what's wrong is enough to keep us on edge now this is really important and, and actually I'm kind of glad I got to come back and revisit it because I have a story from the luncheon and of course I like I mentioned I podcasted before lunch there's kind of a joke in the coaching industry we don't coach in our own backyard and if you've ever tried to have kind of unless you've got a really really great relationship with one of your siblings or your parents or something like that nine times out of ten you giving them advice isn't gonna work it just I don't know you're too close to the situation I guess maybe as part of it um, you have to be careful. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. Just be careful and don't get frustrated when people don't listen to you. You're too close to the situation. Well, this happened over lunch. And in fact, an example that I brought up at lunch, because I had just read this and podcasted about it, I was able to be completely open with my sister and my mom and saying, yeah, I used to do that. And here's what's kind of going on. My mom, my sister and her eldest daughter are having some issues and really all it does it breaks down is just a poor communication. Uh, they're, they're really not sure what to do with each other. A lot, the, both of them come to the situation with a lot of baggage from the past. And it was funny because there's two parts to this, to this, uh, the luncheon story. There's the part where I just listen. I don't interject. I ask questions, but I just, I just let them vent. And I can hear what's going on. And as an outsider looking in, I can also see it. It's, you know, objectively, it's, it's pretty clear to me sort of where some of the lack of communication is, but they don't see it at all. And it was, it was just so, 
it was wonderful for me as in a, in the growth of a person not to react to it and trying to fix it and stick my nose in because I am just classic for that when I was younger. Uh, but the other part of me was a little heartbroken in the fact that I couldn't help and they couldn't see what was happening. And no one was really kind of speaking their truth. But one of the th- situations that came up is my sister was explaining that Braylee, her, her, nie- her daughter, sort of has an expectation when my sister walks in the door that there's going to be judgment. And in all fairness, this doesn't come from out of thin air. Angie's the first to admit that she has shown judgment. My niece has always been a bit of a slob. Her bedroom, uh, when she was a teenager, you literally couldn't see the carpet ever, ever. The clothes were never in the dresser or in the cupboard. They were literally all over her floor. Bed was never made. Oh my goodness, I get twitchy going into environments like that. Well, my sister is like me. We're a little OCD, bit neat freaks. We get it from our mom. And we like our homes in a certain way. And we like things neat. It's I just, it keeps our minds clear when the environment around us is neat and tidy. But here's a young lady that just by nature is a bit of a slob and has four little ones under the age of five. Yeah, good luck with keeping her house spotless. I, it's funny because I don't even have that expectation. I walk up there, I hold the babies, I let her fold laundry, like whatever needs to get done. Because, and I just, I have nothing to say about it. It's not my life. Uh, her life is crazy. I couldn't imagine. I only raised one child. She's got four of them and two of them are newborn twins. Yeah, not too, really. The house is not going to be on her priority for a while. But Angela did have this habit and she recognized it and she broke it. But the precedent had already been set. So now when she walks in the house, my niece has this expectation. She's waiting for the comment. She's waiting for the judgment. So instead of focusing on what's right, it has become a habit for her to, to look, to wait for, she's just waiting for it, waiting for the hammer to drop. Well, I was very, what was wonderful for me was it was very easy for me to look at my mom and sister and say, I used to be like that. And usually they say, oh, we know, but they actually kind of looked at me blankly and I'm like, no, don't you know what it's like? My husband, when we were first together 20 years ago, he used to tell me, you are a different person when you go down to your parents. Like, where's the woman that I love that lives out here in the world? And he was very right. As soon as I stepped onto my parents' property because of all the trauma and drama of my youth, I have this expectation. I'm just waiting for my mother, my mother to say something judgmental, something sarcastic, um, it, so it became a habit for me to expect that. And I've really let that go. So, you know, now I just, I just don't. And when it happens, then I deal with it at the time and say, Hey, that's not cool. Don't say that. Where before I was, or you're, when you are having an expectation like that, you are emotionally primed and ready to knee jerk. You have given, you haven't given yourself a speck of a fighting chance of handling anything negative that comes up in a situation like that with um detachment or maturity i'm sorry you just don't because you're like your subconscious and everything about you is primed to look for what's wrong and so i said to them i said guys i can totally relate to this because i used to do it myself it has become a habit for her and you guys need to talk about it and get it kind of the air cleared up if this is what you want to do now apparently it is uh there's been some talk of going to counseling i'm a huge supporter of that but here's the second part of this that I found very, very hard in the, in the luncheon was that we got, they asked about how I was doing and what was happening. And they weren't really clear that I've had this complete career change and that I've shut, I'm shutting down the bookkeeping business. My mom knew it was coming because she's watched my health the last year and she, she knew I was really struggling with the, the hours of sitting here and, and that sort of thing. And she, she just, she just knew. 
even with her memory issues, uh, but my sister really didn't because we hadn't talked about it. But it was very interesting to me that they were so shocked because they do not come from a, a, a sort of self-improvement, self-help type mentality. My mother has the same attitude she did when I was a child. So at 70, she still has the same thoughts and attitudes. Her and my dad really have changed very little. They've done no self-improvement. They haven't opened their mind about very little. A few things I'll give them credit for, but very little. It's who they are. Uh, I hope I don't sound too judgmental because I don't mean to. It's just really just more of an example in the fact that you're going to have people like this in your life. And the only person you can control is you. So they got onto this thing. We got talking about the Super Bowl halftime and how sexual that was. I personally thought it was quite fantastic. Uh, it was a little over the top, yeah. But if it's not, no one watches. So I have to laugh with all the media stuff. I'm segueing here, by the way. Are so negative on this situation. And yet without that situation, they'd have nothing to talk about. So it's it's like this give and take, this push and pull thing that goes on in media. Uh, we love to see over the top and then we want to bash it with everything we've got. I personally thought seeing a woman in their 40s and 50s that is still that sexy and has it coming and going, I just, I got goosebumps and they're both such talented women, such talented entertainers. Anyways, my sister just trashed it. And I was like, ooh. As I'm listening to her and I was kind of questioning a little bit, like, what makes you think that? I could, I could easily pull out her limiting beliefs, her prejudice around why she was overreacting that way. Because my sister actually has a little, it's a, the, no filter, actually, not a little. She has no filter, which is really embarrassing at times. She will just say the most outrageous, inappropriate things in public. And... Me, little Miss Queen of appropriateness, I've really struggled with that in my life to kind of lighten up. Even to this day, I struggle with her as, as, as open-minded as I am and as accepting as I am. It's just like, oh, that did not come out of her mouth. And yet here she was on her quote-unquote high horse, so against this whole halftime show. So we got talking about that and then about my career change. And she's like, people actually pay to have coaching done. She had no concept. She, this is not part of her radar. My sister just has a grade 12 education and got married and had babies. And she is bright and smart and raised three kids around their household. She's fantastic with money. Uh, but she only worked for a couple of years and she's never done courses outside of her life. Like there's been no ongoing education of any sort in her in her life ongoing so she's very out of touch with you know what's kind of happening in the world around us and the in the fact that people that you know want to succeed work on themselves and spend money to do this she's always shaking her head at the things i've done but now that i'm the coach and i'm not paying to go to coaching she's like really what struck me there and i'll come back to that now that i ran off of my segue about the halftime show what struck me with that later when i came home and was talking to my husband about it was the fact that yeah, I can't coach in my own backyard. I have to just be supportive, help, listen, you know, I can't fix anything. But I could see what was wrong and they couldn't. They had literally no tools at all to work with to help correct what was going on in their households. That was very sad to me, but it went hand in hand with their complete and utter shock that people would actually pay other people to help them grow to help them get a different frame of mind, to learn better habits, to grow their businesses, to get past their limiting beliefs, to do ancestral clearings, look after their pain. It is not on their radar. You are gonna have people in your life that are exactly the same. And there's really probably gonna be not much you can do about it. 
Okay, but what you can do is look for what's right. I just completely supported the coach, the um, counseling thing. What's funny is they don't realize how expensive counseling is. I don't, I don't think they really realize this is going to cost them, you know, a bit of money. The same type of money that people pay coaches for to move themselves forward past their blocks and, and, their, uh, and their thinking. But the bottom line is them being with someone that can facilitate conversation between them would be amazing. So I could look for what's right in that situation. I could say, hey, you know what? This is a great idea. They are not seeing anything that's going on here. And I can, I can get behind that and I can support it. Okay, so I hope I can kind of get you to see that in your, what's going on in your own life. I've met very few families that aren't dysfunctional in some aspect. I used to think mine was like, oh my gosh, no. I saw a cute saying on Facebook the other day, there's someone out there that wishes they had my problems because their problems are so much bigger. And we always do get kind of locked into our own misery, our own spiraling of, of behavior. Uh, my girlfriend Beerch and I talk about this a lot. We, we carry some stuff from our childhood, the two of us, and we talk about it heavily. We have, you know, we come from parents with a generation that, you know, wasn't touchy-feely, didn't really talk about their, their feelings and stuff. And her parents, even more so because they're from their first um, uh, generation immigrants from Germany. So even more so, at least, you know, my father was a, is a very affectionate, tactile man. And I have friends that have always been very jealous of the fact that my family is very close that way. Uh, so love was definitely expressed in my home, especially by my father. You know, he has no problem telling my mother she's beautiful, touching her, hugging her, hugging us kids or spanking us, you know, but you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying here, but you detach that even more with another cultural, uh, uh, not discrepancy, whether space, you know, whether you're, you're further even away from where you want to be, it even compounds it. So we talk about this quite often and how it's very generational you know, we've worked at getting past these things in our life. We've, we've gone to school, we've done coaching. We've, we've been, we really are people that, that keep looking to better ourselves. And yet as strong as women, as we are, there's just every now and then we forget and knee jerk back into that spiral of our childhood. And those feelings all come up. When I'm in yoga, my yoga instructor is always saying, let the thoughts come, but just don't hang onto them which works great for me because honestly, when I listen to people saying, you know, shut your mind, I'm like, shut your mouth. <laughs> like, shut the, it's not going to happen. My, my, my brain is just always going, but I really like the attitude of quit trying to block it. Let it come, but let, let it go. That works much better for me as an individual. Let it come, but let it go. That's a trick that my girlfriend and I have learned. We let it come, but we're quick to get on top of it and let it go. I hope that makes sense to you because we do not get buried in it and we do not start reacting unconsciously and sort of sabotaging our lives around us. Because what happens in situations like that is you don't realize what's going on or what's hurt you. You get spiraling into old feelings from childhood. Then you start taking it out on the people around you. All of a sudden work sucks and your home life sucks and your kids are driving you crazy and you want to smack your spouse. I mean, really, it just, it's just like a, it is literally like a tornado that just builds up speed. The trick is learning to cancel, cancel, cancel. You know, I talk about that little uh, physical maneuver or chant you can say when a thought comes just don't hang on to it. It's there. Fine. Acknowledge it. Let it go. It comes from a place that does not need to 
root in your mind, heart, and soul any longer. Doesn't mean there's some magic wand that's going to stop the thoughts altogether. So that's why I was really caught with this, you know, look at what's right. There are times to take stock and do an inventory, times to learn and times to grow. But spirituality and joy do not stem from trudging around in the muck of what's wrong with others, ourselves, and life. We do not have to seek out mistakes and errors, poking and picking at ourselves to continue our growth. Poking and picking hurts. Our lessons will be revealed to us and they will present themselves naturally. Growth will occur. Growth will occur if you have opened your mind and made a choice that you are going to grow as a person. Now, the scary part about that though, guys, is if you have chosen that, the universe is going to answer. It's like being young and praying for patience. Did you think you were going to get patience by not going through circumstances that build patience? Yeah, it took me a long time to put that one into perspective in my 20s, let me tell you. So needless to say, my life was full of these lessons and it took me a long time to figure it out because I didn't realize they were lessons. Once you glom onto it and you're like, oh, the epiphany, I've got it. You get the jokes that run along the lines of this. A guy's in a flood. He's on his front porch and he prays for God to rescue him. Police officer comes by, get in, it's time to go. He says, no, I'm waiting for God. Cop looks at him and says, fine, drives away. Now the streets are flooded and a boat comes up the road because now we're all all underwater and the Coast Guard's there says, buddy, you got to go. He's like, nope, I'm good. Now he's on the roof of his house and the whole town is underwater and a helicopter comes over and says, it's your last chance. What is, what happens? The guy says, I'm good. God's going to rescue me. He drowns. He's standing at the pearly gates and he asks St. Peter, why didn't, why didn't God rescue me? And St. Peter goes, I sent you a cop, a boat and a helicopter. What more did you want from me? So I think it kind of ties in with this look at what's right. I mean, also look at the help. Sometimes we get this attitude that it, it, everything has to look the way we think it's going to look or act or be, or we don't consider it what we're looking for. That's where opening your mind really comes into things. And that's why we want you to focus on the good and what's right and keep an open mind, change your, change your mind. I talk about that all the time. This is where the law of attraction gets so misinterpreted. I absolutely do not believe. I mean, granted, it it works a little bit sometimes, but I don't believe it's the essence of the point. The law of attraction is not about you sitting on your butt waiting for a lottery ticket to arrive. I'm going to attract riches. I'm going to attract riches. While you are doing nothing to educate yourself financially, expand your life, look for opportunities, and take action. The universe is there to help and support you, but it's not there to make it happen for you. I truly believe that. You might disagree with me, but that's completely where I stand on the subject. I have had this belief structure for a long, long time, even with my religious upbringing, even with the power of prayer. I mean, I understand prayers can be answered, but I still was raised with the attitude that God helps those who help themselves. (laughs) My dad was a bit of a pragmatist that way. He was hardworking. He was always trying something new. He had a couple of businesses fail. You know, he started a business. The business that made our family 
gave it its security in the homes we all own today was started in his 40s when he was well when he was 40 41 it did not happen when he was in his 20s he always had an attitude of utter and complete faith that god had his back but he worked himself to death sometimes he worked like a dog and i truly believe that that effort was blessed so I grew up with that attitude and then getting later into life, learning about the law of attraction and just energy and, and, you know, sort of ex- expanding my mind and accepting what's out there. I, that, that core belief for me is still very true. And it's funny because, you know, MJ DeMarco, I've talked about him a couple times. And by the way, I am through enough of the book now that I do recommend it. It never sort of hit mainstream, uh, the fast lane millionaire, I believe it's called, or the millionaire fat, no, the fast lane millionaire. Don't get hung up on the title. And if you decide to listen to it or read it, don't get hung up on the first 20% of the book because he talks a lot. Of, he, he does a lot of what's needed, like the halftime show, to get your attention. He understands the world to which he is speaking. And he made sure his message was, was maybe even a little bit controversial, but he kind of gets right in your face about a few things. But as you go through his book, and he starts talking about fast lane behaviors and attitudes and money literacy. That stuff I am 100% behind. And he he really has great information. He really, 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 really does. And you not believing or having limiting beliefs around money, again, look at what's right about money. People have a huge limiting belief that money is evil and dirty and the root of all evil. It's not. The Bible doesn't even say that. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. And everybody misquotes that scripture. The love of money is not the root of all, uh, the money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil because God in the universe knew how easy it is to sway us into bad behavior. So if you are a person that can keep your life organized and live beneath your means and are positive and giving with the limited resources you might have when you're younger, or even in your life right now, when you grow that, if you do, that's your choice, you will carry those attitudes with you going forward and you will still be a person that lives beneath your means, whether you're making $1,000 a month or a million dollars a month. If you live beneath your means, you are have a wealthy life. You will give to others. You will share. You will just be able to be more of who you are as a person. So, you know, really give that some thought about what kind of belief systems you're hanging on to. So if you look at what's right about money, it's just a currency to exchange one thing for something else that you want. It's able to help other people. It's a commodity. Treat it like that. But let go of the negativity. We talked earlier about you know, relationship stuff and now money. It's really all the same limiting belief structure that you have. And only by opening your mind and changing it, are you going to have a different attitude and attract different things to your life? Don't be the car, the boat and the airplane and the helicopter guy. Okay. So how does this end today for this, um, this devotion? Give yourself a break. Ask yourself what's right, what's good, what's true, what's beautiful. Sometimes the lesson isn't in discovering what's wrong. Sometimes the, sometimes the lesson is discovering that the world is all right and so are you. I would love to just end right at that moment, but I just realized that I left a thought unfinished. I recommended the book 
And that's because there was a story in here about that. And now I am so sorry that I've left you with a little bit of a question mark in your mind. I have forgotten what my point was on it. But I still recommend the book. I think it's it's great education and learning. And, uh, and the more that you open your mind and fill your mind with information like that, the happier you'll be. Have a great day, everyone. And I'll catch you on the flip side. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda. Stay connected with us directly through livingwellwithshell.com. You can also join the discussion on Twitter at livingwellwithshell and Instagram at www.instagram.com slash livingwellwithshell. If you would like to speak with us, please send us an email through shelley at livingwellwithshell.com. And as always, thank you for pushing your mindset towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Thank you. And remember, willpower will only get you so far if you don't have a plan.